On this week's episode of Gambling Feud, we bring on Twitter personality Gracie Marks. We talk about her interaction with Dave Portnoy as well as her history with sports betting. We break down the NBA Finals and the NHL Conference Finals. We do a little that's a take and mic drop and we round out the show with our tiers of MLB power hitters. Before we get started, we want to remind everyone that the Gambling Feud podcast and the Coda Sports Gaming Network are sponsored by the Bet Coda Sportsbook. The Bet Coda Sportsbook is a South Dakota owned and operated sportsbook located in the Midnight Star Casino in Deadwood, South Dakota, serving customers in the state. As you enter the Midnight Star, you are swept in the past with the grand staircase, stunning woodwork, and the elegance of the chandelier. They offer the best lines in Deadwood, so stop by and mention the Coda Sports Gambling Network to receive a free Bet Coda t-shirt at the casino. Play responsibly, must be 21 years or older to wager, gambling problems or concerns, call one 800 522-4700. Locked and loaded. Let's have a show. Yes, sir. Kyle and DJ on the mic. Gambling Feud. Partnered with Coda Sports Gambling Network. Hitting bets. Hitting bets. Hitting checks. Hitting checks. Making necks. Making necks. I bet. Let's hit some bets. Locks on, locks on, locks on, locks. Locks on, locks on, locks on, locks. I don't need the keys when I get the locks. Hitting them wagers, locking my pacer, doing it major. LA Lakers, locks on, locks on, locks on, locks. Locks on, locks on, locks on, locks. I don't need the keys when I get the locks. Getting them wages, lack of my pacer, doing it major LA Lakers. Welcome everyone to the Gambling Feud Podcast, presented by the Coda Sports Gambler. We are on episode 59. We got a lot of great stuff happening at the network. We got a lot of great stuff happening with this show. If you think we're stopping now, obviously you need to stop either stop listening or get on the bandwagon. We are so far from done. Only uphill from here. So let's have a great show. Let's get started. My name is Kyle Comish. You can find me on Twitter at Comdog. And you heard him a little bit there, but not him, but his roommates. But joining me, as always, for 59 episodes is my cousin and co-host. You can find him on Twitter at DJ Low 4422 DJ Luch. DJ, how are we doing today? Doing good, Kyle. Weather's getting nice. Uh, the Celtics are in the finals. That's that's all. That's the only thing I need for my mood. I'm as happy as can be. So, yeah, it's, it's a good time right now. I'm excited and a little nervous. Yep, absolutely. No, you and I were very much riding a, a high there after after game seven. So um, before we talk about just game uh, the the NBA finals real quick, you and I were texting each other a lot about game game seven, a lot of a lot of takeaways from it. First and foremost, I just want to throw out there. I thought for sure Jimmy Butler shot was going in at the end there. I just thought for sure. I was convinced. And then when it hit off the front front rim, I was like, oh, yeah, that's what happens when you play the entire game. And you're 30 some 32 years old, like you just your legs aren't there. He, he that was, I mean, they 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 ran him into the ground essentially. And that shot is kind of the what happened because of that. You know, if he has fresh legs or more fresh legs, he might make that shot. Yeah. But they wouldn't have even been in that situation if they hadn't run him into the ground. So like they needed him. And then, yeah, I mean, I, I, I respect the shot. I, if I was a Heat fan, like, I'd ride and die with that shot. But it just didn't go their way. Yep, 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. I was going to do a mic drop about this, but I kind of stopped. But I changed my mind and did something else. But 
those fans that were saying like that Struce three that got taken away was the key point in this game. Shut up. The rest were bad both ways. Like if Kyle Lowry should have fouled out like before the fourth quarter started. So if you want to blame the officials for a loss, like look in the mirror, they were crap both ways. Yeah, yeah, no, 100% agree. And like it, when you look at the replay, it's so close that you have no idea what's the right answer. It's like if it was called not a three or if it was called out of bounds, you'd be like, I get it. And if it was called not out of bounds, you'd be like, I get it. Like I see both sides. So it's like, I don't, it's such a flugy coin flip that I don't really know how that it didn't. Uh, yeah. I just think that's a BS cop out that you're just upset about your team. And that's the only way you can cope with it. Yep. For sure. Um, so they did, they did advance. They move on. They are now taking on the golden state warriors for a chance, the NBA title. So DJ and I are very, very psyched for that. I guarantee you we'll be live tweeting. We'll be texting each other about the games, but I, I don't know. Maybe it's the fan inside me, DJ, but a lot of people aren't giving Boston a shot. I think they, they match up really, really well with the Warriors. I'm not necessarily saying they're going to win, but I'm saying they got a better shot than what the Warriors, than what people are giving them against the Warriors. Yeah, no, 100% agree. Uh, I, I think the Celtics match up really well. I think the only area the Celtics don't have is experience. Like the Warriors have been there. They've done that multiple times. This is a first for, I believe, almost everyone on the Celtics. Uh, so this is, yeah, it's a lot tougher for them. Uh, just never being there. And it's obviously a different game, but just on paper, the Celtics match up really well. They play really good defense and they can score. And they're, they're out, they outsize the Warriors by a good margin as well. They, they, are, they are significantly bigger than the Warriors. So it, it'll, I think it'll be a fun series. Like, I don't think it's going to be a blowout one way or another. I think it'll definitely go six or seven games. And my biased self is thinking it's going to be Celts, but who knows? Who knows? But to not give them a chance is absurd. It's like, dude, they have one of the best defenses in the league. Like, they have a chance. Oh, 100% they do. And like I said, I, I give all the respect to the Warriors. Like, obviously, like, they've been here before. They're a dynasty for a reason. They got, you know, Steph as the greatest shooter of all time. Clay is definitely, like, top 10 greatest shooter of all time and stuff like that. Um, It's going to it's gonna be tough to stop them. The thing is, is the Warriors, in my opinion, are, are a momentum team. They live and die off of getting momentum going their way, making a lot of shots, stuff like that. And the Celtics are the best defensive team in the NBA, in my opinion. So they're a team that can stop that momentum. But I'm just saying right now, if Steph gets going and gets some momentum for them, if Clay gets going, same thing, stuff like that, Jordan Poole, Wiggins, all the way down the line, it's not going to be a very long series for the Celtics. But I do think if they can contain that momentum, it's gonna, it'll work out and it'll be a long series. Yep, 100% agree. All right. And then uh, not only did we got that going on, we got the uh, NHL conference finals going on. So we got in the uh, West, we got the Oilers and the Avalanche. The Avalanche uh, finished out the Blues in, I believe it was five games. Yeah, it was three I, to two. So it was six games. Okay, six games. And the, Ori and the Oilers won also in game six. Connor McDavid made that go ahead. Uh, goal and overtime to send them off really really excited it he's so fun to watch if you like haven't had a chance to watch Connor mcdavid play him and dry are the best one-two combination in the nhl like this is a time to watch because these these two are these two teams are going to be phenomenal like this is going to be such a fun series to watch yeah it'll definitely be like 
it's just two opposites. I think the Rangers lighting series is going to be more of a defensive battle, whereas the Oilers avalanche is going to be just who can score six goals first. I mean, neither team play, neither team has that great of a goalie and neither team plays that good a defense. And I think you are going to see some very high scoring games. I think the overs a lock almost every game. And I would be surprised if we're not talking almost double digit goals combined every single game because that's just how much firepower both sides have oh no you're absolutely right and uh game one is being recorded as is being played as we record but that was an over under of seven i can see it shifting up towards eight i really can because that's it's just gonna be goals on goals on goals scored and both these squads can do it but if i had to give a prediction right now on who i think is gonna win it's so tough to bet against Connor mcdavid and louis dreisaitl just because they're so talented, but it seems like that's been all they've had going for them. I think Evander Kane has done a little bit for them in the postseason, but otherwise like those three have been pretty much it. And I think the avalanche have just, they have guys everywhere on, on like three different lines that can score. There's way more depth than the Oilers have. So I'm going to take the avalanche to move on to the, uh, the Stanley cup finals. Yeah. Yeah. I would also ride abs just because, I think they're a little more well-rounded, both defensively and offensively. And I also have beef with the Oilers. I wonder if that was come out. Not with McDavid, just the Oilers. I, I love McDavid. He's a beast, oh. and he's changing the game. But, yeah, I'll go, I would go abs here. Yeah. And, and he could – if he continues the way he is, he could go down as, like, the second-best NHL player to ever play the game if, if, if he continues the route he's going. Like, we talked about it last time on the show, DJ. You just you, – you can't put him in Gretzky range yet. Like, it's just, he's nowhere close. It's so tough because Gretzky played in a different era. Like, if you look at Gretzky's stats, McDavid's played four or five seasons, and his best season doesn't even come anywhere close to Gretzky. But if you want to talk, like, straight talent level, I think the league's talent level has gone – like, the NHL as a whole is way more talented now than it was in Gretzky's day, uh, just due to technology and everything and just advance of, you know, athletes are getting better now. And on the flip side, I think McDavid is not significant, but I think David McDavid is the most talented player to ever play. But if you want to bring stats into it, then yeah, obviously, as Gretzky is number one. But for talent wise, I think it's hands hands in a way. It's it's McDavid. All right, you heard it here first from DJ. But uh, and then on the on the other hand, we got the Eastern Conference Finals between the Lightning and the Rangers. Lightning swept the Panthers. The number one seed in the Eastern Conference goes down in four games. Lightning were absolutely rolling after uh, nearly losing to the Maple Leafs in the first round. They bounce back and sweep the Panthers. And then on the flip side, the Rangers, after having a very, very close first round matchup against the Penguins, go off and defeat the... Um, Oh, why am I blanking on who the oh the the hurricanes? I, I got yeah. there eventually. Yeah. Uh, end up being the hurricanes in Carolina for game seven. Carolina's unbelievable at home. Ended up pulling off the five to two win in game seven. So we got the lightning and the hurricanes. Like you said, DJ, the Western Conference Finals is going to be very, very offensive oriented, whereas this Eastern Conference Finals is going to be very, very defensive oriented. Yeah, the goalies in the like the two best goalies out of these four teams are both in the Eastern Conference but the two best like scoring offenses are in the West. Like it's just, that's just how the matchups lined up, I guess you could say. And that's exactly what's going to happen. We're going to have like a really, really solid 
scoring team playing against a really, really solid defensive team, in the Stanley, which is going to make the Stanley Cup so much fun to watch, mind you. But while we focus on the um, the Eastern Conference, if I had to make a prediction right now, I got to go the Lightning. Lightning are absolutely rolling right now. I know they have had a little bit of time to rest because the Rangers had that long seven-game series, whereas the Lightning swept. I don't think that's going to matter. I just think they've been rolling. They've been getting pretty much everybody's been giving them a lot of really good uh, playing time, a lot of really good production. I just think they have a little more talent than the Rangers do. So I'm going to take the lightning to go on to the Stanley cup finals. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I just think the lightning have our more experienced team. The the Rangers really are super young and super inexperienced. They almost have no experience. Whereas the lightning have like quadruple. It's like the Warriors versus Celtics for the finals. Like, the Warriors have an insane amount of finals experience and the Celtics have none. The the uh, Lightning have so much Stanley Cup experience and the Rangers have like none. So it's it's a mass advantage. And in this situation, hockey experience is key. So I'm definitely riding with the Lightning. Uh, but it'll yeah, that'll be a hell of a series. It might not be as fun to watch, but defensively speaking, that'll be a great series. Oh, absolutely it will be. And I know a lot of people like who listen to the show might not have be be into hockey. I'm telling you, if you want to get on the bandwagon or want to at least like watch a game, now's the time to do it. If you're looking for like a really, like really good mechanics defensively, really good goalies and stuff like that. The Eastern conference finals is what is for you. If you want to see a lot of goals scored, watch the Western conference final games. These, these two series are going to be phenomenal. And that Stanley cup final is going to be absolutely incredible to watch. I agree. I agree hundred percent. All right. So that's our breakdown of the playoffs that are happening right now in both sports. We got a great show ahead. We have an awesome guest picker coming up later on in the show, but let's get started with that's a take. So that's a take is basically we go on Twitter. We can bring up like conversations we've had with friends with in our group chats, whatever. It's just a take we heard and we discuss it. So my take is from DJ's DJ's man, Skip Bayless on Twitter who tweeted quote Jalen Brown with a bunch of greater than signs, Jason Tatum. What are your thoughts, DJ? I, I think it's a little ridiculous. Um, Like don't get me wrong. Jalen Brown's good, but the coverage like defensive, like other teams will tell you who's better and the coverage of teams defensively, they're scheming towards stopping Tatum uh, more than they're scheming towards stopping Jalen Brown, which leads me to believe that Jason Tatum is better. And it's, it's really – it's not st- stupid to compare because they're going to be playing together for a while. But it's like uh, Tatum just has more in his bag, more in his repertoire. He's more of a natural shooter. Jalen might be a little more athletic, uh, but it's just – it's such a tough comparison. But I think Jason does have that edge, does have a little bit – he's just – he can score a little easier on his own. Uh, like I said, more moves in his repertoire – uh Jalen's come a long way don't get me wrong but I, I I this is just the wrong way it should be pointing the other way so it's it's just straight wrong but that's what Skip Bayless does he says stupid stuff to get hype and get people to click on it and it's just it's all clickbait that's why I hate those types of uh like sports media personalities so once again Skip being Skip looking like an idiot but what's new nope you uh took the words right out of my mouth pretty much it's it's wild to say that he's like all those greater signs better than Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum was a massive reason for the Celtics success this year. Not saying that Jalen Brown wasn't, but I'm saying I don't know if we would be in the NBA finals if it wasn't for Jason Tatum and all he produced 
in the playoffs. I know like towards, you can say towards crunch time, he didn't play really well, but he, he made some big time shots. Like he made like a big time three when the shot clock is running out with a hand in his face against the heat in game seven, he can make those big shots. And he's like you said, his repertoire is unbelievable. He can drive and finish through contact really well. He's a solid shooter. Jalen Brown is the same way, but I still argue that the Celtics wouldn't be the position they were in if it wasn't for Jason Tatum. So I think that take is ridiculous. And like you said, it's clickbait. And the fact that he gets paid money for that is absolutely ridiculous when there's thousands of people out there who study the game, who give realistic takes and stuff like that. But he gets hired for clickbait. I just think that's ridiculous. Yeah, I agree, JT. (laughs) Yeah, no, 100% agree. Uh, It's what sports media is somewhat transitioned to. Uh, which is ridiculous, but yeah, for Maya, that's a take. There was a tweet about Scott Foster, and it's not really a take, more it's just kind of a funny stat that I'd just like to see what your thoughts. But the Celts are 12 and 0 when Scott Foster is one of the referees' thoughts. Wow, really? Yeah, <laughs> uh, I don't know how that can be true considering Scott Foster has screwed the Celtics several times in game in games um yeah that's that's wild that's actually kind of kind of baffling to be honest but uh no I mean it, it is what it is you you don't play because of the refs you just you play your own game and stuff like that I think it's ridiculous to think that if he's gonna be refing that it's an automatic win for the Celtics but it's just the way it's gone so far so um yeah, that's crazy because, yeah, he's he's not good. Like, the fact that he's <laughs> getting all these playoff games is absolutely atrocious because he's not good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a, a guy that knows the NBA pretty well that I know, I text him this because he's a Heat fan. And he was like, I would believe that, but it's only by luck it helps us out. He's like, the guy either calls everything or nothing, just depends on which trip down the court it is. So it's like, yeah, I mean, it could easily happen, but it's only fluky. Like, he just makes bad calls for both teams. But to try and spin it off as if he's, you know, trying to help the Celtics win or shading games towards the Celtics is is insane because he's just terrible. He's just bad at it. Like, it's almost a random stat. It's not really – there's really no correlation. It's just wild, if anything. But, yeah, he's just awful, and I don't know how he's – like, how do they not see how bad he is? It's pretty evident. Well, yeah, and, and I got a feeling there's something like that in sports, like in all sports. Like, I got a feeling, as wild as it might sound, I got a feeling there's some team that's really good when Angel Hernandez is umpiring. I can't tell you what team it is, but I just think, I guess in my opinion, this is a whole other side tangent, but it's just <laughs> an example. Like, like, Angel Hernandez's strike zone is so wide. I got a feeling teams with not very good pitching staff are probably really good when he's behind the plate. Yeah. Oh, for sure. They're getting more of the zone. I, I believe that. But no, I don't think there's any like weird behind the scenes stuff that's happening because you know, when like a ref is like for sure, like look at that one ref that got arrested that Tim Donahue yeah. who was blowing games. Like if you watch those games that he was blowing and stuff like that, I mean, it was brutally one-sided, but I mean, um, Scott Foster, he's bad both ways. Like mm-hmm. as, a, as a guy who watches all the Celtics games, like he does not favor the Celtics in the slightest in these games. Yeah. hundred percent agree. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's wild. Yes, sir. 
All right, so let's transition now to me and DJ's favorite segment, the mic drop segment. Mic drop is me and DJ. It's our opportunity to rant, whether it be about sports. I know last week, DJ and I both did some passionate uh, mic drops about life. It's just literally anything we want to rant about. This is our opportunity. So uh, DJ kind of got in the the mix of what I'm about to do with a mic drop with, but I've done a mic drop about this before, but when you come at somebody for something, at least have some clout to go at them. I had a guy who I made a, I made a, a take about AJ Green, who I said he's very overrated. I think he's one of the more overrated players in college basketball. I stand by it. He has a, a negative assisted turnover ratio. He has more turnovers than assists. He shoots, I think he shot two or three times as many shots as the next player on you and I. He shoots guys out of games. And his stats are very, very inflated because of that. And I had a guy with seven followers come at me and say, you must be an Iowa fan if you're thinking that. Take your seven followers and get out of my mentions, bro. Like, you are not even worth my time. You're not even worth my energy. And I told him that. I I tweeted at him once, maybe twice. Just basically, I told him, I said, you have seven followers. You've been on, this is the thing. He's been on Twitter since 2018 and has seven followers. (laughs) I had seven followers my first hour on Twitter. So literally, like, if you're going to go at somebody for something like that, at least have the clout to go at them. If you have less than 100 followers, don't even at me because you're just you're just a waste of my time. But I thought his take about AJ Green was funny. And I, you know, uh, JT came in. You you came in because you saw what was happening and stuff like that. JT, uh, Al, I think, came in as well. But it's just, it's stupid. And if you don't, the the thing here too is they were comparing the Missouri Valley to the Big 12. There's not even a remote similarity between the two. Like I'm telling you right now, he might've been like the two-time NBC player of the year. He's not going to do garbage in the Big 12. He just won't. He shoots guys out of, out of games all the time. He creates good shots for himself. I'll give him that. He's very, very good at that but he's not good enough to get good playing time and good star power at the next level. And people who think that are just crazy. And like, well, what if he was on Iowa? I told DJ, I can name about 10 people who are just like him. Didn't aren't very good on defense. Could shoot you out and stuff like that. He'd be just another guy. He's not going to be an NBA star. He's not going to even make it in the NBA. I don't think he might make a G league team if that, but the fact that we got Iowa state fans, Mostly at DJ, I kind of laid off a little bit, but mostly at DJ, uh, Iowa State fans coming out about AJ Green, like, get out of our mentions. Like, you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, so I used to entertain those a little more than I do, but now it's like when I see them come at me and then I see that they have ISU in their bio, I'm just like, all right, I, you clearly are either – or, like, if they have you and I in their bio, and they're like, AJ Green, so good. It's like, okay, clearly you're biased and, like – it doesn't matter what I say, you're going to feel the way you're going to feel. And I'm going to feel the way I'm going to feel. So I might throw out a couple feelers, a little jabs, but I'm just, I won't go deep into it anymore. It's just like, I, I really just don't care. These people are idiots. Like, cause anybody who knows basketball and has watched him sees what I see. And anyone who's just a cash, just a casual fan, they think what everyone, what these people on Twitter think. And it's like, bro, I, I promise you if, if AJ Green 
wins some sort of Big 12 award or gets Big 12 all first team or whatever the awards are, I will be shocked. I will be astounded. I will I will tweet that I am an idiot and AJ Green's the GOAT. But I'm not going to have to tweet that. There's no way in hell that the these Big 12 defenders get razzled and dazzled by a dude who was mid to above. I mean, he was, he was decent, but very inefficient at an MVC school. And like, yeah, MVC schools are good, but dude, the way better recruits go to the big 12. Like it's not even, even if he goes to the ACC, like it doesn't matter what power five conference he goes to. He's going to, he's just going to be another player. Like he's going to be a dude off the bench who can score. And it's just, yeah, it's not going to go well for him, but I'm, these fans are delusional and I'm just going to let them think what they think. Nope. You, you're spot on. You know more about AJ Green than myself, but I've watched him play quite a bit too. And I'm gonna I'm gonna say something here, DJ, and I will say it on the record for the people to hear. If AJ Green is a first team all Big 12, I will personally tweet a drunk video of me hitting the gritty at my bachelor party. I love it, Kyle. I love it. I yeah. I yeah, that's it won't you won't have to do it, but I like the initiative and Again, like the, the people get so caught up in the fact that, like, dude, he's so talented, he's so good. It's like, yeah, he's really good at creating his own shot and like being able to get a shot off at any time. He's really good at that. But that's all. Like, it starts and begins at that one thing. He is so one dimensional. And in games when defenders and defenses can scheme and clamp him up, he's literally not like he's super inefficient. He doesn't score well. He'll make one crazy shot, like a step back, super contested. He'll make that. And that's the highlight clip that everyone uses. It's like, yeah, you didn't see the seven misses before that. Uh, and again, I don't think he really, the way his play style works, I don't think it really gels well. He's, he has like an NBA play style. Like he has a James Harden NBA play style. That doesn't work in college at all. And so he, I, I honestly don't know how many uh, college teams he makes better, in, in my opinion, at least. No, you're absolutely spot on but that's how confident i am that he won't do anything at the big 12 levels i will do that for the people but it's just not going to happen he's not good the mvc is about his, about his cap pretty much for how, for leagues he can play at. I like even like i'd say the next step up is like maybe the american like with cincinnati and memphis maybe he's the next step up and no way would he even get remotely the stats he got in the MVC? The MVC is his ceiling. Yeah, 100%. And, yeah, I just – I think of him kind of like Matt Thomas. I don't remember Matt Thomas with Iowa State. Mm -hmm. But he was a spark plug that came off the bench and drained threes. That's what A.J. Green could be. That's his ceiling, in my opinion. Like, he's just not athletic enough, and he doesn't do enough things to do anything other than be almost a sniper. And so, yeah, maybe he makes a pull-up twos and stuff, but so did Matt Thomas. Like, he, he's a glorified Kyle Korver, J.J. Redick, you know, Matt Thomas, just a dude who can shoot really well and create his own shot and get his own shot. But other than that, nah, he, don't bring, he doesn't do anything else. And he's not nearly as good as any of those three guys you mentioned. No, either. he's the worst of all of them. And yeah, yeah. everyone's – he might be better than Matt Thomas. I don't know for sure. That, that's tough. Uh, but Matt Thomas made it in the NBA. No, he's, he's worse than Matt Thomas. I don't yeah. even know why I even said that. That was offensive. I'm sorry, Matt. I didn't mean to do <laughs> you like that. But, yeah, it's uh, if he makes it to the NBA, I'll be shocked because he's not that athletic and he doesn't play defense. And he's undersized. Like, he's only like 6'4", I believe. Like, I don't think he's that big. Mm. I just – I don't see his game translating. 
So we'll see. We'll see. And yeah, Iowa State fans, they're going to be butthurt from here on out because I destroyed AJ Green and he's supposed to be their new guy, their savior. But if you want to live and die by AJ Green, go ahead. I, I'm not riding on a team like that. No way. Nope, not me. I had to do it for four years and I hated every second of it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, okay, let's keep it going. On to my mic drop. If you guys saw the Celtics game, the Celtics tried to not go to the finals. They were up, I believe, 14 with four minutes left. And in a three-minute run, they gave an 11-0 run up to almost lose. Because then it was a three-point game. Then it was close. And, like, it was over. Four minutes left, they were up 14. It was basically over. Like, just run out the clock. But, no, this is what the Celtics decided to do. They decided to sprint down full speed. And within the first five to seven seconds of the shot clock, launch up a three. And they just went cold at the worst time. Couldn't run the offense, couldn't do nothing. And I'm just like, what, what are we doing here, guys? What, like, what is going on? I, it was, it was, I couldn't believe that it was happening because then they, they missed like three in a row and Jalen comes down and in the first five seconds launches up a three. I'm like, no way we just, like, no way we just did that without anybody having any sense of like, hey, we can kind of run out the clock here. Because I know early in a game, if you get to a 20-point lead and you try and run out the clock, it doesn't go well. Like, because you start playing differently, you actually end up trying to, you'll end up losing. But with four minutes left, up 14, you can kind of run out the clock. Like, it's a different situation. Like, obviously, you need to try and get a good look. But if if you run out all the 24 seconds and then launch up that same terrible three you were going to launch up, it's the same, if not better, than running down right away and launching up a three. And odds are, if you run the offense for 20, 24 seconds, you're going to get a decent look. So the fact that they tried to blow the game by just launching stuff, it, it was it was insane. Because then the Heat would go on a fast break the other way and just get buckets, buckets, threes, buckets, threes. I'm just like, oh, my God, they're going to lose. Like, this went from I was 100% confident the Celtics were winning to, oh, my God, we're going to lose. And then that Jimmy Butler three almost killed me. But I just – I couldn't believe that uh, Emei didn't take a timeout and be like, what the hell is going on out there? Like, what are we doing? We, we just got to run the O. Like, no more shooting in the first five seconds of the shot clock, especially if we're not going to make it. Like, oh, it was – I couldn't believe they almost blew that. That's all I'm going to say. I couldn't believe it. No. And I mean, we texted about this, about this too. And like, not only are they like having like the five, five or seven seconds on the shot clock, whenever it's happening, we're having Marcus smart shoot it. Like what the hell are we doing with Marcus smart early in the shot clock early. Right. Like, yeah. If, it, if it's Tatum or Jalen Brown, I still hate it, but fine. I can live with that because that's our two best shooters. But what in the hell are we having Marcus Smart? And I think fucking – I don't mean to cuss, but I just cussed there. I, uh, and Grant Williams are shooting so early in the shot clock for. Like, what are we doing here? Because they literally just left them, like, semi-open and then closed out on them is what they did. And so Marcus is like, hey, I'm open. Shoot. And it's like, can we run the offense a little bit? Just a little bit? Get, get Tatum a look down low or run some screens or something like just get a little more. Oh uh, yeah. That was, that almost broke me. If the Celtics would have lost, I don't know. I would have been so furious. It would have been like you and I against Texas A&M. Not as bad, but still it would have haunted me. Yeah, that was, that was tough for sure. And no, and, and I know we talked about it earlier in the show, but just to kind of reiterate it, like, like, my heart was in my shoes when Jimmy Butler shot that three at the end of the game. Like I, I was going to be a dead man. If he would have made that. I was very nervous. I thought it was going in. It looked like it was going in and then it was just short. And I, I thought if he made it, that it was over. I was like, there's no way the Celtics score. They won't. The, they're, the heat are going to follow them. They won't call it. And the game's going to be over. That's what I thought was going to happen. Yep. 
Yep, I was the same way, but. But it doesn't matter, baby. Celts are in the finals. Celts yep, are in the finals. Let's yep. go. Get off your asses. Absolutely. All right. So before we get to our uh, our gambling feud segment, let's go on to our final segment, which is Tear Factory, a brand new segment that DJ and I have. So basically, it's basically what the uh, the title says. We do tiers of just any random thing. It can be uh, within sports. It can be outside of sports. But it's three tiers, an A tier, a B tier, and a C tier. And then our honorable mentions that just missed uh, the tier. And there's three things on each tier. So we'll we'll try to take it to Twitter. We've been saying that. We usually forget. But we'll try to take it to Twitter, allow you guys to appreciate our list or roast us, and just let us know, like, what we missed. So for this week's tier, we're going to do the, the tiers of MLB power hitters. So we got three tiers of our MLB power hitters. We'll go back and forth to start with the top, go down to the bottom, talk a little bit about each one of them. And uh, yeah, we'll go from there. So DJ, why don't you get started? What is your uh, tier one for power hitters current? Yeah, so for the top nine power hitters, I have in tier one, Aaron Judge, Pete Alonzo, and Kyle Schwarber. And I guess I'm doing more raw power, I guess, which I feel like that's what power hitters is. But um yeah, that's what I got. Do you want me to explain some of my reasonings or do you want to do yours first? Uh, I'll do I'll do mine. Um, so I actually only have one, but but I have again, I'm going off stats as well. Like these guys, the, two of the guys I have can hit, whereas you had you did the more raw. But I also have Aaron Judge, but I also have uh, Shohei Otani and Mike Trout. That's fair. I mean, you have the GOAT and one of the most fast rising players in the league. So I respect that. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about Aaron Judge. You and I both have Aaron Judge. So what are your thoughts on just Aaron Judge? Aaron Judge is like Adrian Peterson when he was the number one pick uh, in the fantasy draft that one year. Like he's clear cut. Aaron Judge has to be on this list. He has to be in the A tier. He's just the dude's leading the league with 18 dingers. Like he's just, I mean, there's not much to say other than he just hits dingers and he has an insane amount of power. And he's, He's a pretty disciplined hitter. Like, you don't see him chase too often. Like, he's just overall a, a good hitter. And he uses all fields. He'll pull it. He'll go opposite field. Like, he's he's really a, a well-rounded, just great power hitter. Yep, and absolutely the same way. And, and he hits more no-doubter home runs than I think anybody in the MLB. Like, when he hits it, like, you just know it's going to be gone. And he's a huge reason for the Yankees' success right now. Definitely more of the raw power, like you said. It's kind of home run or bust for him, but he hits more than he doesn't. So I agree. I, I think, like you said, clear cut, tier A, Aaron Judge. I like it. Yeah, I was surprised we didn't have the person out. Of, I thought you'd have the person out of my B tier on the A tier. That's where it'd be different. But yeah, onto my other two guys, I had Pete Alonso. I don't know if you guys saw what he did during the home run derby, but if you want to talk about raw power, that's it in that home run derby. Like, the dude hits dongs. He has insane power. He has the ability to go yard. The thing that kind of stops him is his discipline. Is a bit like he just isn't as well-rounded as of a hitter as Aaron judges. But when you want to talk straight power, you saw what he did in the home run derby. Like this dude can hit dingers. He can hit the ball far. So that's why I have him in the A tier, just from a raw power standpoint. And then uh, the three spot in my A tier is Kyle Schwarber. Kind of a very similar situation. We saw what he did in the home run derby. We just see the clutch home runs. I think 
Kyle's a little better of a hitter than Alonzo, maybe a little less power, but Kyle Schwarber can hit bombs. And he's he went on that streak of hitting like five and five games or something like the dude, he can hit. And I think he has a, a not, he's maybe not as much raw power, but the dude just, it's Schwarber bomb. His name isn't Schwarber, it's Schwarber bomb. And because of that and my bias, he has to be in the A tier. Nope. And those are two. Those are two very, very solid ones. Obviously, I have them on my list. He's not in the A tier. Um, Shohei Otani was uh, – I think he was top five in home runs la- last season, and he he's very, very solid all around, but he's definitely a bomb hitter, and he's a tier A, in my opinion, just because he is – I think of all these MLB players over the past however many years, and he's one of the biggest up-and-ups I've ever seen. But And I think where he's at right now, he's in a very, very good peak. I don't know if he's necessarily in the prime yet but he's getting there, but I still think he's one of the best power hitters in the MLB. And then Mike Trout, people might disagree with me on this, but Mike Trout is, he's good all around, but he's good. He's just a good overall hitter and not even good. He's the best overall hitter in the, in the MLB. He can do, he can do it all. And not only is he like best in like batting average RBIs, he's consistently top 10 in home runs every single season. So that's why I, just the respect that he has, not only just as a power hitter, but an overall hitter, I have to put him in the tier A, in my opinion, because he's just the GOAT, like you said. Yep. Yeah. I think we maybe not like we kind of took this as two different, it's just perceptions. We each have different perceptions, you know? Uh, so yours is like power hitters, like home runs. And like, you, I mean, you know what I mean? Like we just kind of our perception on what it was is a little different, which is fine. Neither of us are wrong. Neither of us are, neither of us are wrong. Really. It's our own perception of, uh, what a power hitter is, but no, Oatani and Trout are two of the best dong hitters. Like Trout's most consistent. Like you can just pencil in Trout for thirty plus home runs every season. Mm-hmm. And Oatani last year just went crazy. Like I swear, every day that dude was hitting a home run. And the thing is, he was doing it on balls. Like they'd be pitches out of the zone, and he just smashed it over the fence. I'm just like, wow, this dude is very talented. So yeah, no, I, I no qualms with your uh, A list. I. I, I, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bat an eye if that was someone else's A-list. All right. Sounds good. Let's go into our, our, our B-list. So I actually, I think we might only have one because I have your other two in tier one and my tier two. So Kyle Schwarber and Pete Alonzo. And then my other tier two is Vlad Guerrero Jr. Hey, I got him in my tier two too. That a boy. So I have Stanton Harper and then Vlad Guerrero Jr. Um, Again, Stanton maybe not the best hitter, but when you talk raw power, like who can hit the baseball the furthest, Stanton has to be top five in my opinion. Now, of what you know, like best at doing it in game, he's clearly not top five. But you want to talk just straight raw power, Stanton just absolutely smashes the ball. He swings so hard, he strikes out so many times, but man, when he hits it, it goes a long ways. So that's why I have my my B tier, my two tier. And then Bryce Harper, uh, kind of a similar uh, as Schwarber. Like, he's been in and out for consistency. But you want to talk about raw power and, like, you want to look at a pretty swing, dude. Bryce Harper's swing is so pretty. It's so smooth. It's so clean. His back foot actually comes up when he makes contact. Like, that's how pure his swing is. And he has so much raw power as well. Like, he can smash the baseball. I once watched him hit a dinger when he broke his bat. And I didn't think that was possible, that he broke his bat <laughs> and hit a dinger. I was like, damn, that's power right there. So that's why I have Harper there. And then Vlad Guerrero Jr., 
unbelievable amounts of power there. I mean, he's very similar to kind of the other guys on my list where they may not statistically be doing as well, but just power wise, they have it. Uh, yeah. The man put on a clinic, I believe in the home run derby. Was he in the home? Run? Yeah. He put yep. on a clinic in the home run derby. And then for me, I watched him hit a low and away out of the zone curveball over the fence, not live, but on TV. And I couldn't believe it. Like when he hit it, I was like, oh, it's can of corn, like impossible pitch to hit is what I thought. And it went out. And that right there is raw power. Only dudes with like, there's a small percentage of dudes. And most of them are on these lists that can even do that to begin with. And Vlad Guerrero is one of those guys. He has an insane amount of power. Yeah, that's my list. What do you, what do you got for yours? Or you already said yours. Yeah, you can explain. Yeah, my bad. Nope, you're good. Uh, You took the words out of my mouth, Vlad Guerrero. He just very, very young, and he's going to be a tier one. I'm promising you he will be a tier A, tier one in the next few few years, but still fairly young. Uh, Just pure raw power. I mean, he's hitting 40 home – I think he hit 40 home runs last season. He's on pace to do it again this season. I mean – He's super young, but he has the talent to be like up with the all timers and home runs if he can stay healthy and if he can t- continue this trend. So 100%. that's right. I got to put him in, in, in tier two. Um, I mean, you said most of the stuff I was going to say, I won't go too much more in depth, but Kyle Schwarber is a little bit better of a hitter than Pete Alonzo, but Kyle Schwarber, like he, when he was on the Cubs, I mean, he was just unbelievable. Like even like, I think about like when they, uh, the World Series came around. He came in as a DH and stuff like that. How big time he was! K- hit a couple home runs. Then he was just big in the postseason with home runs. Like he's he's known as a home run guy, and I gotta respect that. So that's why I put Kyle Schwarber there. And then not much more to say about Pete Alonso. Um, he he his batting average is ridiculous because he's the guy who one thousand percent relies on home runs, but he's one of the best. And like he's consistently top five every single year he's in the home run derby every single year we doubted him several times he's won it before i so that's why i gotta put him in second tier as well pete alonzo is the type of guy who could be batting like a buck 50 but win the home run derby every single year like that is the type of dude he might not do anything in the regular season he might only have 15 home runs in the regular season because he's struggling but you throw him in that home run derby and his raw power is able to shine he will win it every single like that is the kind of power this dude has so yeah no i he's i wish he was a better hitter and i think he's just going through a bad stretch right now because he's had seasons where he's done he hit 50 home runs his first year i believe uh so he's definitely done really well uh, it's just a little bit of regression. You know, pitchers kind of figure him out. He needs to make adjustments. He's still young in the league. He's only – this might only be his third or fourth season. Like, he's almost brand new. But, yeah, no, great list there. Uh, On to the C tier or, yep. or three tier, whatever. Yeah, e- either You're calling it numbers. I'm doing letters. It's all – we're all over the map today. We'll call, we'll call it the C tier. How about that? We'll call, we'll call it the C tier. Um, Again, I have two of your B tiers down in the, the C tier. So, I got Bryce Harper – and John Carlos Stanton, and then I also have Anthony Rizzo. Oh, I like that one. I wish I couldn't put Rizzo on my list, but I should have. Um, so I have on my C tier two of your guys. I have Mike Trout and Otani, just because they're numbers, really. And then I have Jorge Soler as my other guy. Okay. Jorge Soler, MVP of the World Series. Dude has an insane amount of power. And then as Kyle mentioned, like you can pencil in Trout, and then I would assume you can pencil in Otani for 30-plus homers every single season. The only thing – the only knock I have on Trout or Otani 
is that their dingers are not as much mammoth shots, but they also hit like average way better than a lot of our guys on the top of the list. Like other than judge, most of these guys are hitting 250, but they're popping out 40 bombs. So everyone's cool with it. Whereas Otani and Trout, they're going to hit those 40, maybe not as far, maybe not as, you know, long or as mammoth shots. Like they'll get one in there every now and then they're, you know, they're professional athletes. They can do it, but they won't consistently hit mammoth bombs like the other guys we've mentioned. But when you talk about power hitters, you have to factor these two guys in there uh, just because they do have that power because they can hit 30 to 40 home runs easily. Like it's really not hard for them, which is wild. Uh, how consistent Trout is and then how consistent I believe Owatani will be. Uh, and then Soler, like I mentioned, MVP of the World Series. And he's more of the raw power type of guy, like his strength. I'd like to see him in a home run derby. I don't know if we have. I don't Do you know if we have? I don't think he's uh, been in one. Maybe one. I don't know. I'd like to see him in a home run derby again, though, because he has an insane amount of power. And he hits that, that, that three-run dinger he hit against the Astros. Yeah. Huge, yeah. Huge bomb as soon as he hit i was like that's gone i knew it because that's the type of guy he is and yeah that's why i got him on my c tier uh but yeah you want to talk about you guys quick yeah not much more to say about um harper and Stane. you kind of hit hit it on the head harper um you know he was he had a lot of swag he had a lot of firepower coming into the league he's for the most part he's kept up with that and he's shown that he deserves that respect and the home runs are no question um, I feel like he's regressing a little bit, but not like nearly like, like bottom barrel, but that's why he's tier three. If we would have done this maybe three or four years ago, he'd definitely be a B or an A, but because he's uh, digressing, I put him at C, uh, John Carlos Stanton. Uh, yeah. I mean, I can't say much more than what you said. Like when he hits it, like they're gone. And like, you think about like the longest home runs, in MLB history, he's up in the top 10. Like some of his, like, I think he's had like a 470 home run once. I think he's one of the few MLB players that hit a 500 foot home run. So he's definitely up there with that. And then I, I was, had to talk about side note. I was in yeah. Philadelphia for the batting practice when he hit like a 491, like in BP, he hit one and it just kept going and going and i looked at our uncle Warner, and i was like dude that like I, that was really like that was a smash and he's like i didn't even see where it landed i was like you couldn't dude he hit it too far and then it was all over like the mlb.com like check out this uh stanton uh warrant like, batting practice dinger and it was yeah it was a it was one of, it was the farthest ball i've ever seen hit and it was insane but yeah i just wanted to quick tell that story cuz that's his raw power right there yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's, that's a good story, but yeah, he, uh, and batting practice is the best time to know like what they truly are and stuff like that. Like I've been at like several batting practices for MLB games and like just a side topic, because that's what we do on this show. I was at a Padres giants game and Brandon belt was absolutely smoking balls in BP. There was a ball actually that was one person in front of me, but the guy got the glove out right before me. And he was like, shaking off his hand it hurt so bad because i mean he's just pure power but you know the power guys when you watch bp and uh i can imagine like can you imagine going to like a batting practice and you can because you have like a batting practice for yankees with judge stanton dj lemayhew donaldson gary sanchez back in the day sanchez it was it was insane the difference between the judge uh it was like judge torres Stan and Sanchez were all in the same hitting group. 
and I was in Oakland and judge went five for five, five dingers to dead center. And I was just like, that was insane. Like just to perfectly hit five balls in a row and by far the best batting practice team to watch in my, in my experience is the Yankees. And I hate the Yankees, but it, dude, it is, it is incredible. Cause then when like the next group comes in it's all the middle infielder guys who don't have as much power and like one in every like 10, 15 balls goes out. Whereas it's like every other ball is going out with those other guys. It's, it's wild. The difference. It's crazy. Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, just really, really quick to round out my list. Uh, Bryce Har- or Anthony Rizzo, uh, obviously Cubs fan, seeing what, seeing what he does. He's a big time clutch home run hitter. He was big time for the Cubs and same thing for the Yankees. And he's, again, he's known as a home run hitter. He might not be like, up in a tier a by any stretch of the imagination but he hits dingers and he does a really really good job of it and if he doesn't hit dingers they're line drive doubles and stuff like that like he's a solid hitter all the way around but he definitely is up there and one of the better uh power hitters in the league for sure no arguments for me you know i love rizzo yep for sure all right so uh honorable mentions dj i have a few here that i didn't um include um Jose Ramirez was one I didn't list. Uh, Mookie Betts was another one I didn't have. And um, I had one more. Altuve, I think, was the other one I had. So I had Yordando Alvarez, Fernando Tatis, Ronald Acuna Jr., um, from Hill Reyes. I mean, there's I could name probably 20 dudes that were left off this list. Like, it it was so hard. Rizzo. I mean, there's so many guys who it's like, dude, these guys have so much power like there's just so many guys that are hit that's why it's our top nine like it's tough it's not easy um but yeah no all around great list yeah and this is tough to do and like i said we'll, we'll try to post this to twitter we've been kind of iffy about posting stuff on twitter but we we do our best here people we both got jobs yeah we got stuff to do we got families to feed yep for sure all right dj well that was fun we got a really really awesome guest picker coming up here so uh if you're ready let's get to it let's do it and on to the gambling feud segment. We got a little new style this year where we're going to have two separate brackets, a coder capper bracket and a non-coder capper bracket. And the best of each bracket will face each other in the championship for a prize of TBD. Isn't that awesome? We love TBD. We don't know what it is, but it's going to be cool. It's going to be good. And it'll be worth your time. Uh, so for the non-Coda cappers right now, the standings are we have Cheapy 13 at plus 9.17 units. And then the only other non-Coda capper uh, was Willie Naylor, and he finished minus all the units. I don't know if he won a play. He had a rough day. He should have faded himself on every play, and he would have done amazing. But, yeah, we got another Coda capper in here. Uh, or not another, no, a non-Coda capper in here um so yeah kyle why don't you take it away uh and announce an interview uh the guest yeah let's get to it so i've been following this uh individual for uh, i think a couple months now but uh had a little bit a few interactions with her on twitter and i'm just really excited to bring her on today we have gracie marks gracie how you doing today i'm doing good thanks for having me on i'm excited i've been following you guys for a bit too and following your content so i'm excited to be here well awesome yeah we're excited to have you and your content as well has been followed by members of the network too so we appreciate what you've done so far for content as well and respect that but really quick for those of you that 
for those that don't know you, you want to like tell us a little bit about yourself yeah so I uh just graduated college and now I'm just kind of chilling um big big sports person probably my biggest sports are uh basketball and baseball and college football too honestly um so started sports betting like covid year like 2020 uh fall of 2020 like college football i was so bored and like wanted to watch every single college football game and so i just started betting on them and my first game was indiana plus 470 money line versus wisconsin and i had no idea what it meant like i was like i have no idea what this means like i'm gonna put 50 bucks on the on the money line and they were in madison this was the year where indiana was like a fluke like they were really good you know and people were like they oh they're gonna make the college football playoff like they're better than ohio state like it was crazy that year and they went to madison and beat wisconsin at home and like the score was like really classic big 10. It was like 10 to 13, like final score. And, um, but they won. And I was like, this is like the greatest thing ever. And I didn't understand like how the odds worked and like how like plus 470 was a really big deal at the time. And so, yeah, I just, I just, it just snowballed from there. And then like got into like NBA, pretty much everything now um, I'm sports betting on. So it's, it's been a fun ride. Awesome. So did I hear that right? You didn't know what money line meant and you still threw 50 bucks on it. No, I, I went, so I went to Indiana for a year and I liked it, but I I went to another school after and I I, like what the year I went there, they won like three games or something. They, they, they were horrible. And you know, that, that COVID year, they were like six and O or like five and one or something like something crazy they were ranked like 10th or like, it was crazy. And so I was, and they were going to Madison and I was like, you know what, I'm just going to do it. Put $50 on the money line on the, on the plus 470 money line. No idea like what that meant. And then they won. And it was like the ugliest game of all time, like horrible. The backup quarterback for Indiana was in because the guy, the, the main quarterback tore his ACL. So it was like the backup quarterback. The score was like 10 to 13 and but it was worth it so yeah from from there I started to learn like everything but I had no idea like what that meant when I when I initially did it (laughs) that's awesome (laughs) um so what are you kind of doing now on 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 Twitter content wise uh for sports betting um just posting plays every once in a while I'm pretty active more on Instagram I run like a sports betting like content Instagram called Mark's Takes I think uh like coda net like the network follows me on there i post just like videos and like bits and stuff mostly on twitter i'm mostly just posting a lot of memes and stuff i'm always in like the replies like you've probably seen me like in the replies like i'm a, i'm a pretty good troll like getting in the replies you know like responding like that i'm always in there so i've been doing a lot of that but i, I do want to you know post more content on twitter but for right now just kind of like memes and stuff and, and pics sure Okay. Yeah. And like I said, I've been following you for a couple months now. So I have noticed that. Um, so a story I told you about that I wanted to hear and that a lot of people want to hear. So I'm, I'm a massive stoolie. I know DJ is too. A lot of guys, in the network are stoolies. You not only got tweeted at by, but you had a picture with Dave Portnoy wearing, wearing a, a shirt with one of his tweets on that. Can you tell me a little bit about that interaction? Yeah. So I was at the yak show. Um, they were here in LA. 
uh, for the Super Bowl. And this was the Monday of Super Bowl week. So they were having shows, you know, all week. It was Monday through Friday from four to seven. So on Monday I went and, you know, it's Monday at 4 p.m. No, not, there weren't that many people there. If I'm honest, like I got there and there was maybe like five people at the Yak show because one West coast is not that big, you know, of a bar stool, like world. It's a little bit separate and it's 4 PM on a Monday. Like not everybody can just like show up at this live show. So it was pretty empty and around like five or like four 30 Dave just like showed up like, and it was so empty that he could just sit at a table, like in the back and like, just be like a normal person, like, and no one was really going up to him. And like, it was pretty empty. And the rest of the week, you know, it got pretty packed. So he would be like backstage, you know, like out of sight. But the first day he was just like chilling there, like at the table, anybody could go up. So I saw him, I was like, okay, like, this is my, this is my moment. Like I had the sweatshirt on, it it was planned. I had a Sharpie with me, like I was going to get it signed. And so I went to the bathroom. I took like five deep breaths. I was like, this is my moment. Like I've waited for this for years. Like they're never in LA. And like, it's a bit like being a stoolie on the West coast is a little bit removed because they're all, you know, on the East coast. And, but like everybody was here and I was like, this is it. Like, this is the one chance that I have. Like I I can't pass this up. So I just walk over and he's taking up, he's talking to somebody and he, he locks eyes with me and looks at my sweatshirt. He goes, you come here right now. And I'm like, oh my God, like, this is crazy. And he's like, where did you get that sweatshirt? And I actually like just bought a blank uh, white sweatshirt and just stamped the tweet on. Cause for some reason they never like sold them on the, on the store. And he was like, that's like the most incredible sweatshirt I've ever seen. I was honestly like speechless. Like it's just one of those things where you're like, you've been waiting for like years. And then it's like, finally, in front of you, you know, it's like, you just can't believe it. And, um, so he signed it and then we took a picture on my phone and then he was like, Oh, take a picture on, on his phone. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like, this is insane. Like he's taking a photo on his phone. Like it, there was like a little thought, like, is he going to post this? Like on his, on his like Twitter, there was like a little thought, but it, my, I was like, no, like there's just no way. And so I, I was like, thank you so much. Like, thank you for everything. I go back to my seat about like 10 minutes later, I have my notifications on, you know, for when he tweets, like I get the tweet notification and about 10 minutes later, you know, I'm watching the yak show, but I'm also just like, so out of it. Cause I'm like in a I'm like just on adrenaline, you know? So I'm like watching the yak show, but I just like, I'm not hearing anything, you know, I'm just sitting there. And then my phone, I hear like the ding and I look down and it's his tweet. And I can see the little like thumbnail of the tweet and I can see myself in the thumbnail. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like this is crazy. And I don't remember what the caption was. It was like, it was also, this was during the time he was dealing with something on Twitter, like some fight he was in you know he was getting canceled by somebody so it was like the the tweet was corresponding with whatever he was going through at the time you know like whoever he was fighting with and I forgot the cash in and then I saw it and then replied with like the photo of us and I was like oh my god like that's me and then it like blew up and then there was just like all these people that were like this is insane I mean it was really there was people who I hadn't talked to in like years who saw it and were like this is the craziest thing like ever and it, it like I didn't sleep for like four days afterwards I was just on adrenaline like for like four days because I didn't it was just so unbelievable and I really sat there and was like 
this is insane. Like five or six years of like watching this guy and like watching all the content, like was really for like this moment, you know? And I went back on Wednesday and I went back on Friday, but it was like, it was not the same. I met, I talked to him again on Friday. Oh, cause my, my, me and my sister went. And so, but it was like, that was just like, I couldn't believe it. I was literally speechless. Like I, I couldn't talk for like four days. It was awesome. That that's such an <laughs> insane story because I'm actually really jealous of you, to be honest, because that's, so what was he like as a person? Like a lot of people like, have, like who watch his content, who know him through Twitter and stuff like that. He comes across as really, really arrogant and stuff like that. Did he seem like that with you at all or not? No, not at all. He was so, so nice and like literally so normal. Like he was just such like a normal guy. And he was so interested in like how I got the sweatshirt and like signing it you know he did like the pirate the pirate dog on the sweatshirt so it's like you know it's really official when he does the pirate dog and I was wearing it and I was leaving and Eddie came up to me and it was like yo like Dave told me like how much he loved that like sweatshirt and like he it really meant a lot to him I was like this is like crazy like all these people like Eddie who's like you know they're close like he does the show with him all this Mm -hmm. stuff I was like this is insane it was just like it was awesome. I was, I mean, it has like 13,000 likes or something like crazy on Twitter. And it was, it, I just like, I'm still kind of like speechless, but like when I look back on like 20 this year, I'm like, that's my highlight, like for like five years, you know, that, that was, it was all worth it. Like going, being posted. It was awesome. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's, that's <laughs> such, that's such a cool story. That's like an all time story for our show and we've had a quite a few cool ones now this is an off-topic question I didn't have this originally planned for the interview but when you brought that up I know uh in LA at the same time as the Yak show was also the dozen trivia tournament mm-hmm. but did you go to that at all or did you have any interest in going to that or not no I I couldn't go it was like the Yak uh the Yak and BFFs was like you didn't need to get tickets like you just went you know and, and waited outside and it was outdoors and like it was it was very like casual the the dozen was like very like you had to buy ticket like months and months in advance it was Thursday night which like I couldn't go to because I I have class Tuesday Thursday well I did um so I couldn't go to any of those and like I'm not that big of a fan of the dozen I'll watch it every once in a while like if I'm really bored and like want to watch some trivia but it's like not something that I'm like watching and like I don't really like keep track, you know, of like the teams and everything. I was bummed that I did, that I didn't get to see Frank here, but cause he was only here for the dozen. I was mm-hmm. bummed that he, he never went to the yak. He never, he never went to BFFs or anything. So kind of a bummer that I, that I didn't see him, but I'll probably see him sometime this summer at, at city field, honestly. So we'll, we'll see. For sure. For sure. <laughs> no, that was a, that was an awesome story. And uh, one last question I have before we get into rapid fire so um you talked a little bit about like how you got into sports betting your your um the sports you like to bet on do you have like like what are your favorite like teams to root for in sports yeah I'm a Mets fan sadly and a Clippers fan so um the two like biggest saddest franchises in like sports uh I root for and then uh college football I don't know. I, I, I don't really have a team. I, mean, I think I'll probably root for USC this year. Cause like they're local to me and they're going to be rocking this year. So I'm like, I'm just gonna, um, I might just hop on, but I do like rooting for the big 10 in general, just as a conference, I want them to succeed, you know? 
And then for NFL, I guess the Rams just like locally, but again, it's, that's a joke here. I'm being honest, like the whole football scene is not like serious. So, but mostly I would say the Mets and the Clippers is like really what I'm paying attention to. All right. Sounds like USC's dead. To me. I'm an Oklahoma fan. So like they got oh, like wow. USC is dead to me. I mean, they got, yeah, they got, they got everybody from, from Oklahoma. Yep. They, yeah, I, I, I kind of want to see them like really collapse this year. Like I would enjoy that um, to watch USC collapse. They're just like a football here is so removed from everything. You know, it's like a big basketball town and baseball town. No one really cares about NFL college football like if you ever see the Rose Bowl at UCLA it's like empty like not the actual Rose Bowl but like UCLA home games Mm -hmm. empty like nobody shows up um USC nobody shows up so it's kind of a joke here anyways gotcha all right sounds good uh before we get into rapid fire DJ do you have any quick questions for her or no I think you kind of nailed on the good ones and I that's interesting I didn't know that California was like that but I guess I don't tune into too many UCLA games and when I do it's Pac-12 <laughs> after dark and I'm yeah. not not the most sober to pay attention to whether <laughs> there's people in the, the crowds or not so yeah that's interesting all right so uh we're gonna do a game we just started this game fairly recently it's called rapid fire so what it is is it's just it's 15 questions uh, DJ will start by giving his answer, then I'll go, and then you can go, Gracie. And just you can't explain yourself. You just have to give the answer, and that's a the, a new rule we're adding though. Is out of these fifteen questions, if there's one time you're really really curious about like anyone else's answer, you can challenge it, and they have to explain themselves. Okay. So we'll do fifteen questions again. Just you cannot give an explanation unless someone challenges what your explanation is. So. Uh, let's get started. So the first question I got is your favorite current athlete in any sport. Go ahead, DJ. Anthony Rizzo. I'm going to go, uh, Derek Henry. I'm going to go, uh, Lindor. Okay. I like that. Uh, your favorite sports coach of all time. That is not of your own team. Bill Belichick. Take the air out the ball. I got to go. I got to go Bill Self. Mm. I think I'm going to go with uh, Jim Harbaugh, honestly. I, I, I love the guy. <laughs> I'm going to use my challenge on that. You got Jim Harbaugh. I'm curious. Well, I'm just – wait. I'm not, I'm not getting them mixed up. He's at Michigan, right? Yeah. Right. John's at Ravens. Big, big – I'm just a Big Ten, you know, Big Ten. After watching that Ohio State game this year, when they beat Ohio State, I was like, this dude – and the fact that he didn't uh, go to the NFL and cho- and is coming back to Michigan, I was like, respect. Like, this this guy's really trying to build something at Michigan. So, even though, you know, they always kind of crumble in the end, watching them finally beat Ohio State, I was like, I'm fulfilled now, you know? Okay. No, that's fair. All right. Your favorite tailgate food? Uh, Luch Farms jalapeno uh, cheddar brats. <laughs> I wasn't gonna go that specific, but I'm gonna go. Uh, I like a nice little bacon cheddar brat. Okay. Hmm. Uh, just gonna go with a simple cheeseburger. Okay. No, nothing wrong with that. Burgers are good. <laughs> All right. So your favorite NFL team? Would you rather have prime Ladanian Tomlinson or prime Marshall Falk? 
Oh my gosh. I gotta go LT, but that's tough. And that can't explain myself, Dan. Come uh, on, Kyle. You know, know the rules. I, I, I stopped myself. Uh prime LT. I'm same with me, I think. Yeah. Okay. So okay. Your favorite non-alcoholic drink. It has to be coffee. I need it to survive in order to work and live and do anything. <laughs> no explaining yourself. Oh my gosh, I did it. Uh, okay, I, I got to get my A game together. I'm sorry, that's on me. You're good. I'm going to go, uh, I'll go milk. I'm a big milk guy. Mm. I'm going uh, Shirley Temple. Love a good Shirley Temple. Classic. <laughs> All right. Um, what's a sport you want to learn more about? Soccer. Soccer for me too. Um, tennis. I was just watching tennis. Okay. Watching Rafa. Yeah. <laughs> yep. All right. Probably the most controversial question we have. Does pineapple belong on pizza? Hell no. Nope. I agree. Uh, no. Yeah, it doesn't. I agree with you guys. <laughs> Good deal. So we don't have anything there. Uh, your favorite movie actor of all time. I'm going to hate myself for saying this. Oh, this one's hard. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I can't even think of any right now. I'm just going to go Will Ferrell right now just because he's fun. Ah, never mind. Will Ferrell, though. All right. I almost uh, explained. Okay. I had to cut myself off. No, you're good. Uh, Adam Sandler. I was going to say that, too. Adam Sandler. All right. Sweet. <laughs> uh, your favorite band of all time? Oh, I don't really like bands. Neither. Um... What's that one country band that does chicken fried or something like that? Oh, Zach, Zach Brown band? Sure, I'll go with them, but <laughs> I don't really like them. Uh, okay, I thought that'd be a little easier question, I guess. Um, Queen. Mm. Oh, I should have done Queen. Um, I guess Blink-182. <laughs> Ooh, okay. I could have thought of a thousand bands before I thought you'd say Blink-182. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't listen to a lot of bands, honestly, and I only know uh, what's his name. Travis Barker because he's like in the news now. So yeah, I've, I've been listening to them more because of him. Okay, very good. All right, so your favorite NFL team? Would you rather have a prime Rob Gronkowski or a prime Tony Gonzalez? Does this factor in injury? I know we mentioned this last time. Well, in their prime, so I would say no. Then Gronk all day, easy. Yep. Yeah, yep. I agree. All right, clean sweep there. Uh. I got a feeling I know what Gracie's answer is going to be for this, but your favorite sports media personality. Mm. I'm going to change mine up right here. JJ Reddick. Ooh. Okay. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to go Charles Barkley. That's a great that's, one. That's, yeah, that's a good one. Um, it's tough. It's really tough, but I think I'm going to go with big cat. Honestly. Yep. Yeah. The big betrayal. Cat. Damn. <laughs> All right. Uh, favorite place that you've visited before? The Grand Canyon. Okay. Um, I'm gonna say Puerto Rico. I'm gonna say uh, Hawaii. Yeah, love that. All right. Now let's do the opposite. The least favorite place you visited. Oh my, that's tough. Favorite place I visited. Uh, Detroit was kind of gross. 
So Detroit. <laughs> uh, St. Louis. It's pretty bad. I'm going to go with uh, Indianapolis. Pretty bad. Okay. I've never been, so I... We got a couple people that never from Indiana, so I'm sure they probably agree with you. All right, just a couple more here. Uh, your favorite video game? College football, NCAA college football 14, the most recent edition. When a new one comes out, okay, yeah. Yeah, the new one will be my favorite if it if it, if it comes out, but I'm not counting it okay. until I need to play it first because they might ruin it. I don't trust them. They're going to ruin it. All right, I'll go Madden. Oh, Kyle, that's a Bush League answer. Can I throw my red flag up? That's awful. Okay, my my res- you can throw the red flag. That's fine. yeah. I'm my throwing re- the red flag up right okay. here. Um, Madden. So like, well, Racy, go ahead, and then I'll explain. I'm going uh modern modern warfare two terminal. Okay, I can respect that. Great terminal pick. high rise. I mean, it's nothing Great. better. Great. Pick. Actually, can can I change mine now that I I'll think allow it? But okay. I'm going to say that my red flag caused it. Just so you know. That's that's fine. Um, there we go. Okay. Uh, Fortnite. Okay, I'll allow it. I'll allow All it. All right. Yep. Nope. Good. Good catch, DJ. I didn't even think about it. All right. And last question. Uh, to wrap up, your favorite player on your least favorite fo- sports team. Oof. Oh man. Oh god. I gotta do the opposite of my team to figure out what my least favorite teams are. Sorry, I'm taking a little bit of time. I don't really know the answer to this one. Um, God, this is not rapid fire. This is slow fire. Because like, I hate, I hate everyone on all of the opposing teams. Same. <laughs> uh, can I change it to most respected player on your least favorite team? Sure. Yeah, we can do that. Most respected. Okay, I'll go Yadier Molina. I respect the hell out of him, but I do not like him uh, at all. Did I steal yours? No, I don't like that answer though. What? Already. How do you uh, not respect one of the? Oh, okay. Uh. Again, I don't like him, but I respect him. I got to throw that out there. But Aaron Rodgers. It's fair. Solid. Um, I think I'm gonna go with Carmelo. I hate the Lakers, but I can respect him. <laughs> uh, do I have to throw on my Carmelo Anthony Syracuse jersey on right now? I'll like I, I can respect him, but the Lakers are I can't stand anybody really on that team. Wait, so yeah, that's a compliment to Carmelo. Why am I getting offended? Perfect. You know, it's a compliment. Like I yeah. don't get I don't get mad when he like scores or goes off because I can respect it. But like anybody else, I'm like furious. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, so that was rapid fire again. Uh, fun little interview. We're excited to get your poison. So uh, let's get to it. So for those of you that maybe are listening for the first time, so basically Gracie and along with DJ and myself, we all get five units per game, can do whatever we want with those units. We can go like three in the money line, two on the over-under. We can do uh, team totals, parlays, first half totals, player props, literally anything. Just the rule is you only get up to five units. You also don't have to use all five units if you don't want to. So to get started, let's get started with a little NHL action. We got a game tonight. Game one of the Eastern Conference Finals between the Lightning and the Rangers at 7 o'clock on ESPN. The line right now, Lightning minus 125, Rangers plus 105, and an over-under of five and a half. So I was really kind of sold on the Lightning going into this, but the more I thought about it, the Rangers are more fresh. They've been point. They just got out of a game seven. So I want to 
it's not as easy for me, but I still think the lightning pulled out on the road in Madison Square Garden, tough, tough place to play. But I just think the lightning, they've been rolling. And I just think that's going to continue. So I'm going to go trying to do the math in my head. I'm going to do uh, 3.75 units to win three on the lightning money line. Solid. Yeah. I like that no, play. That's it's this one's tough for me because I just don't know how real the Rangers are. Like their goalie's insane. Igor, he's he's really, really good, but this team is crazy young. And we've I don't know if we've ever seen a hockey team be crazy young and also succeed in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Like it's just tough. You need that veteran leadership, and they don't really have much of it. Uh whereas the Lightning, they do have that veteran leadership. They've been there, they've done that. So I want to lean lightning here, but since it's at the Rangers, the Rangers play different at home. Like they have a little extra energy They're, I don't know what it is about it, but they play, they play better in New York. I think the play here is the under uh, the lightning have, these are two really good goalies. Lightning's goalie. What is it? Val cost Andre Val Finesky, whatever, just say it fast. No one will know you're wrong, but yeah, the, the goalie for lightning Andre uh, and then Igor for the Rangers, both really, really solid goalies. And I think this first game is going to be a kind of a feeling out, uh, you know, everyone's going to start off just kind of, you know, getting, you know, it's like a first round of a fight. Usually not much happens in the first round of a fight. It's more of a feeling out round. And I think it'll be slow. And I think both goalies will be ready to roll. So, yeah, I think the under is the move here. I'm going to, and I think the under in the Rangers series against the Canes, the under was, I believe five and two. And then the Lightning series, I think it was four and three. Or no, it was in the – they played only four games. I think it was three and one maybe. Not 100% sure on that. But basically, the under's the move. Under five and a half. I'm going to go 2.88 units to win 2.5 on the under. All right. Nice, nice. Um, honestly, like, I don't follow hockey that intensely. It's not, again, like knowing – no one here cares about hockey. But I'm also on the under five and a half. Uh, Tampa Bay, really solid defense. They only allow like two goals per game. Igor is a beast. I mean, I've been on the Rangers bandwagon now for like a week and he's a beast. Like from what I've seen in the week, he's a beast. I think there's a little bit of rust potentially from the lightning. You know, it's been a, it's been a bit since they've played. And then also with the Rangers, they're coming off like a little over a day's rest. So I feel like it could just be some rust and just fatigue, honestly, uh, from each team. So I'm going with the under five and a half and I'm, and all my plays are one unit each. So this one's one unit. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Well, let's transition now from the NHL to the NBA. We got a game tonight at, or no, it's Thursday. I lied. It's Thursday. Get your stuff together, guys. Got to figure it out eventually. (laughs) It's Thursday at 8 o'clock on ABC. It's game one of the series. Line right now, Warriors minus three and a half and an over-under of 211 and a half. So I got two plays for this game, and um, I normally don't bet the spread on teams I'm a fan of, so I'm going to stick with that. Uh, A play I do like is I do like the over of 211 and a half. I just think anytime the Warriors play the over – is just solid. I know Boston's really, really solid defensively, which is going to lead to my other play, but I still think it's going to go over this total. The other play I got, and people can call me a homer for this, <clears throat> excuse me, all you want, Marcus Smart's going to lay clamps on Steph Curry. So I'm going to take Steph Curry, uh, whatever his uh, point spread is, I'm taking the under in that. So I'm going to go two and a half on 
uh, over 211.5 and 2.5 and on Steph Curry, whatever his point total is under. I like Inter- that. Interesting. It's probably going to be inflated. Uh, so, yeah, I, you made up a lot of good points. Or you not made up. You came up with a lot of good points there. I, I don't know what to expect with this series. Uh, you know, something's got to give in this series. Are the Warriors going to be able to continue to shoot? Or is the Celtics' defense and size going to kind of mess them up? Because the Warriors really haven't faced a good defense at all this postseason, at all. Uh, the Warriors have a surprisingly decent defensive rating. I think a lot of that's fueled by, uh, you know, Wiggins and Looney, and then obviously Draymond, the, the key to the defense. Uh, but I, the Celtics match up really well. I don't know if you guys have gone across, like, starting lineups. But obviously, Marcus is going to be on Steph. Uh, Jalen probably be on. Uh, why can't I think his name? Thompson, uh, and then Wiggins and uh, Tatum would go, and then be Rob Will or Horford on Draymond. It doesn't really matter who. And then the other one on whoever plays center. And I think the Celtics are winning a lot of those matchups. I think Jalen can get like I think they can contest threes a lot better, but without sacrificing giving up into the lane. And if you get to the lane, you got the Time Lord there, Rob Will. He's going to block. He's going to block anything. He, it's a block party 24-7 in Rob Will's world. I love Celtics plus three and a half here. Uh, probably bias, probably homer pick. But I just think this defensive pressure is something that the Warriors haven't seen, whereas the Celtics have gone through the gauntlet. I mean, going through the Nets, the Bucks, and now the Heat. Like, those three teams combined. Like, obviously, the Nets are kind of weak, but they're superstar power. But the defense of the Bucks and the, the Heat, I, I think the Celtics are battle-tested and they're ready to go. So yeah, Celtics plus uh plus three and a half. I'm gonna go two point two to win two units. Nice. Um, for me, I'm on the Warriors money line at minus one sixty. I know it's a little bit juiced, but I can't take the spread because Golden State they do this thing where you know they'll be down by ten points and there's like seven minutes left in the game, and then they go on like this like crazy run. They go on like a twenty you know to five run to end the game. And the spread scares me that they, that they won't cover. But, you know, I was looking at the history of, of game ones in uh, like when the Warriors in this like dynasty with, you know, Steph, Clay, Draymond, you know, when they are hosting a home game one in the finals, they haven't lost like 20, uh, 2015, 16, 17, and 18. They all, they all hosted game one didn't lose they lost game one in 2019 but that was in Toronto so like whatever I think the place I think like the stadium itself is going to be rocking it's going to be electric I think the Celtics are just a little bit inexperienced when it comes to finals and it's like basically polar opposites with like finals experience but there was like some crazy graphic I saw uh, with like minutes and stuff but I just think it's just going to be a little too much in a game one for the Celtics to overcome just like the intensity of the stadium, just the experience of the finals. And I think the Celtics could win game two, but again, they're coming off a really hard seven game series against the heat, like really tough, really physical series. And the Warriors, you know, they may be a little rusty, but again, they do this thing where there's like six minutes and then they just start playing like 2015 style basketball, like Warriors basketball. And I think they will win game one. I feel like whenever I think about them in the finals with game one, it's like a blowout. Like it's not even close. They just like stomp in game one. And I think they'll win this game by like 
eight or 10 points, you know, and I think it'll be high scoring, like 118, you know, to like 110, like something like that. But yeah, so I'm taking one unit for the Warriors money line at, at minus 160. I think it's just like a little too, like I was shocked that this wasn't at like minus 200, at least, you know, I, I thought it was a little bit, a little bit low for, for them. All right. Sounds good. And um, you see a lot of Warriors jerseys when you walk around down there? Or? Well, yeah, Lakers and Warriors fans are all the same. It's all the same fan base. So, like, they just they just rotate. Like, they just rotate uh, in the in the regular season. They're Laker fans. And then in the postseason, now they're all Warriors fans. It just kind of rotates out. But, yeah. <laughs> so, so, you see one, one day a person's wearing a LeBron jersey, and the next day they're wearing a Steph Curry jersey? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. All right. Very good. Well, let's transition now. Uh, three MLB games to round out the slate. We got a game uh, this afternoon at 12-15 between the Pad- Padres and the Cardinals. Starting pitchers we got for the Padres is Hugh Darvish with a 4-3 and three record, a 3.76 ERA. He has 44 strikeouts to 13 walks in 52 and two-thirds innings pitched. For the Cardinals, we got Dakota Hudson on the mound with a 3-2 and two record, a 3.22 ERA, 25 Ks to 22 walks, and 44 and two-thirds innings pitched. Uh, opening line for this game, Padres minus 110, Cardinals plus 100, and an over-under of 8.5. I don't know a lot about this Dakota Hudson. He's, I, I think he's this is either his first year or second year in the league from uh, what I kind of know about him. He's a fairly young pitcher. But um, I know a lot about you, Darvish, and you, Darvish, has been dealing so far this year. And I just, I don't know if the Cardinals can get it done against against Darvish. So I'm gonna go, um, I'll go three point three to win three on the Padres money line, and then I'll go just for easy math for you, DJ. I'll go one unit on the first five. Under four and a half. I think Darvish is going to hold them to quite a bit of um, not very many runs. And I don't think the Padres will score very many runs. So I'll go 3.3 to win three on the Padres money line and one unit on the under four and a half first five. I appreciate you making the math easy because uh, you're the accountant. Really, we uh, we got the wrong math guy here. But nonetheless, you make some good points. Uh, Darvish is kind of he's really hit or miss like you can flip a coin and he's either going to be on that day or he's just going to walk dudes and just not have his stuff and when he's on he's debatably one of the best pitchers in the league but when he's off he's close to one of the worst pitchers in the league like it's so wild the polar opposites this dude has uh dakota hudson like you said he's you know young and in the league he's been around four-ish years five-ish years uh and he's really not turned a corner, but he's been pretty consistent. I mean, this honestly right now is his second worst ERA season. I mean, obviously it's not a full season, so it doesn't really count, but, and he hasn't pitched, you know, too many, he either dealt with injury or other things, but he's, he's solid. And he, like I said, he's only 25 years old. I, I really like the potential for him uh, as a Cubs fan. I hate it, but I respect that he could actually be pretty good. Uh, and on top of that, he likes pitching at Bush. He's a Bush guy. He likes being at Bush field. He likes being at home. The Cardinals have a great fan base. And I think I just got to go with the plus money team, essentially, the even money team in the Cardinals here. You Darvish had a great start last game. I think he only gave up like two and seven innings or two and six or something. Uh, but he was electric that game. He had a ton of strikeouts. 
and so I think this is going to be one of the games where he's off. He's on the road. He's pitching at Bush Field. And the Cardinals got hitters. They got dudes who can hit. They have a really stacked star-studded lineup. And they play great defense, which will help Hudson. And then to hedge, though, I'm going to go with under eight and a half. Because if the Cardinals don't win, they're not scoring. So that means that you Darvish came to play today. So to hedge my bet kind of a little bit, I'm going to go under two and a half. Or I'm going to go two and a half on the under eight and a half. And then two and a half on Cardinals money line. Uh, hopefully both hit. But if the Cardinals don't score a run, I don't think the Padres are hitting this on their own. And even if Cardinals put up like three, I don't think the Padres are putting up five. Like it's, I think it'll be a relatively low scoring game. Yeah, I like that. I'm on the Cardinals plus one and a half at minus 170. I think it's going to be pretty low scoring, like three to two, you know, four to three, some, something around there. And as a Mets fan, there's a couple people out there that are like, I like to call them certified Mets killers. And Goldschmidt is one of them. He's the dude's a baller. And he's been killing it recently. He's been like almost NL MVP, you know, talk. And I could just see him like just like really destroying you Darvish tomorrow. I think Darvish is kind of, he's kind of, you know, he's due for a little bit of a stinker, especially like you said, his last star was pretty good. So I think he's due for a little bit of a stinker. And I trust Goldschmidt more than like anybody because I've seen him just completely destroy my team so i'm taking uh cardinals plus one and a half low scoring i think like three to two you know two to one um at minus 170 for for one unit all right sounds good well let's uh transition to the other new york team we got the angels and the yankees that game is being played tonight at 605 on fs1 a uh, starting pitcher we have for the Angels, Reed Detmers, with a two and two record, four point six five ERA, twenty seven Ks to eleven walks, and forty and two thirds innings pitched. On the flip side for the Yankees, man, Nestor Cortez is having an unbelievable start to the year. Four and run record, a one point seven nine ERA, second in the MLB. He has uh, 61 strikeouts to 12 walks. I believe his 61 strikeouts are top 10 in the MLB and 53 innings pitched. Line right now, Angels plus 150, Yankees minus 160, and an over-under of eight and a half. So I don't like doing this against the Angels, but I don't trust Reed Detmers for how he's done thus far this year. And I know... You know, the Angels got some hitters, man. Like, when, when that when that squad is healthy, that, like, DJ and I have talked about this before, that is arguably one of the better squads in the MLB when they are healthy. But Nestor Cortez has been dealing right now. I think he, that's going to continue. Um, So I'm going to go – my big play, I'm going to go three units on the under because I don't think either of these teams are going to give up uh, that many runs. But I do think – the Yankees are going to win by at least two. So I'm going to go two units on Yankees minus one and a half. And I will go three units on the under eight and a half. Yeah, I like that uh, Yankees play. I really don't know what to do with this over under because the Yankees really are not the over team people would expect them to be with just the power they have. They are like almost 500, if not worse. They're more of an under team, which is kind of a surprise. Uh, and I don't trust Reed Detmers. He he's really young. I know he's had a rough year, but he's crazy young. This dude could be a menace in a couple of years, but as of right now, just kind of a feeling out process. And it's just, it's not an easy transition to go from pitching in the minor leagues to pitching in the MLB. 
Uh, and on top of that, I think the Yankees hit lefties better than the Angels hit lefties. A lot of both Owatani and then I think Walsh and then maybe one other person are left-handed for the Angels. And then they don't have Rendon and they got rid of Upton in the offseason. Like they, they don't have the righty bats that they need. Uh, Fletcher's righty, but he's not, you know, he's more of a fielder than a hitter. He can hit, but he's not going to go off. He might, but he won't. Uh, so, yeah, long story short, um, I'm rocking Yankees minus one and a half for two and a half units to win three units here. Uh, Nestor Cortez is on something this year. He was decent last year, and he's shown that that wasn't a fluke and that he's, he's here to play. Uh, and Reed is kind of the opposite. He's just trying to figure out his way. And the Yankees are hot. I think the Angels have lost five in a row going into this game. Yeah. Whereas, yeah. yeah, whereas the Yanks are, I think they're three and two in their last five. But nonetheless, the Yankees are at home. And I don't want to pay that minus one sixty Jews. The Yankees are either going to blow them out or they're not going to win. So I'll take the blowout minus one and a half. Yeah, um, I'm also on the Yankees, but I'm just on the money line minus one sixty. I think, like you guys said, Nestor Cortez, he has like I think he has like the second lowest ERA in the MLB. He, I mean, he's so good. The only thing that concerns me a little bit with him is the pitch count because I was reading some things that you know like if they do want him, if, if their goal is to play October baseball, you know, they don't want him to play more than five innings now, you know, and they, like, they don't want him to get hurt, all this stuff. So that's my only concern with him pitching uh, tonight and the, the Yankees, but the angels biggest problem is the pitching. They're really, I mean, I was just watching like Noah Syndergaard was getting like lit up like 20 minutes ago. And I love that personally because I can't stand him anymore but uh, he was getting lit up and they're going like a full free fall right now. The angels, uh, they got, I think they got swept by the blue Jays at home over the weekend. And it's, that's a tough, that's tough to get swept by the blue Jays and then have to fly all the way to New York and play uh, against the Yankees. I mean, that's really tough. And so they're, I think they're in a little bit, little bit of a free fall right now. So I'm taking the Yankees, um i think cortez is like four and one i believe that's his record so he's been overall really solid and i like them at home as well so for for one unit too all right sounds good do you uh i know you talked a little bit about how like some sports aren't really that big in california is baseball uh, like i guess maybe it's more of a dodger state than than an angel state but is baseball like heavily uh paid attention to yeah, say? Dodgers are a big deal, like big, big deal here. It's like, you know, it's such a historical franchise and it's such a, I mean, it's awesome. Dodger Stadium is awesome. Angel Stadium is like, you know, I, I look at it as like kind of the Lakers and the Clippers, you know, the Angels are more like the Clippers and no one, you know, like they're there, but they're like the little brother team. And they're also, you know, not really in LA. It's about an hour from Los Angeles. It's like technically in Anaheim which is about an hour from me. So like, it's not something where I could just like go to the angels game, you know, um, like I can go to the Dodger game, but it's technically like outside of LA. But I think with, you know, Trout and Otani, like they're definitely like ramping up a bit with like the fans and everything, but it's still, it's like who no one really cares about the angels, honestly. They mostly go for those two pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Like, I think I went to a game last year, but it was because Otani was pitching. So I was like, this is worth it. Like, this is awesome. It was a Yankees-Angels game. Like, it was awesome. Jared Cole was pitching. So I was like, this is totally worth it. But I wouldn't go to just, like, a random Angels game, honestly. 
I went to a Yankees uh, Angels game one time, and Aaron Judge hit like a two run go ahead uh, dinger, and the fans at Angel Stadium started <laughs> yeah. chanting MVP for him. I was yeah, like, I think there was more Yankee fans at Angel Stadium than Angels fans. Which no, is literally, wild. it was like seventy percent Yankees fans yep. and like thirty percent Angels fans, and it, and I was wearing a Mets hat, so like. They were just like staring at me, like, what are you doing? <laughs> they were like, what are you doing? And at one point I was like, this is just pathetic. Like it it it, it also happens at the Clipper games. Like I'll be at the Clipper games. And like if if they're if it's like a Warriors game, like Clippers Warriors here in LA, it's usually more Warriors fans than Clippers fans. Like it happens a lot. And yeah, it's very common at, at Angels games because the tickets are cheap. So they're like, you know, I'm a Yankees fan. Like, I want to see my team. Let's go, like, get really cheap seats and, and watch. Yep, for sure. Okay. No, that was kind of interesting. I was curious about that because we were talking a little bit about that earlier. Um, To round out the slate really quick, let's talk about the White Sox and the Blue Jays being played tonight at 6.07. Starting pitches we got for the White Sox, Michael Kopech with a 1-1 one one record, a 1.29 ERA, 39 strikeouts to 19 walks and 42 innings pitched. On the flip side for the Blue Jays, you got Hinjin Ryu with a 2-0 record of 5.48 ERA, 12 strikeouts and four walks, and 23 innings pitched in five starts. Uh, line right now, White Sox plus 130, Blue Jays minus 140, and an over-under of 8.5. So I got beef with Jin Ryu, and I'll tell you why. I He had a pitcher prop of 3.5 strikeouts, in six innings pitched, he got one. <laughs> so for that reason alone, I am taking the White Sox money line for three units. I like that. Yeah, no, uh, Ryu has been having a rough year, and he's more of a control-type pitcher. Uh, you know, he's not going to blow anything away. And with those control-type pitchers, as soon as they kind of lose their control or lose confidence in their control – they really go downhill fast. I mean, we've seen it with Kyle Hendricks as well. He's kind of a similar pitcher. And it, we just see him get rocked games. And it's like his changeup's not working. And when his changeup's not working, nothing works. And that's just kind of how Ryu pitches. And, yeah, it's been a rough year for him. And the White Sox, they love hitting against lefties. They, they have a predominantly right-handed or switch-hitting lineup. And I'm just waiting for the White Sox to pop off because they're due. The White Sox on paper – are one of the most talented teams, especially when you factor in age. Like the White Sox are, I don't know what's happening this year. Uh, they just really haven't hit. And then obviously Eloy goes down to start the year like he did last year. And it just hurts because he's their big righty bat. But I just don't see the White Sox losing, especially at plus money, plus 130. I really like the value here. And then Kopech has been, you know, he's a young, young star in the game. And that's a lot of what the White Sox are is young stars. And he, you know, ZRA 1.29, uh, he's, he's kind of a beast. And he's not even the best pitcher or even close to the best pitcher on his team, which is wild. They're, they're really good pitching-wise. Uh, but I think the White Sox – I think the White Sox being plus money is just asking for me to bet it. I think it's the value play. I think it's the smart move. So I am going to go with 2.5 units to win three on the White Sox money line. Nice. I'm on the White Sox plus one and a half. Um, honestly, like – think the blue jays are in for a little bit of a letdown spot right now like just sweeping sweeping the angels they're coming back home i feel like it's just a big letdown spot and honestly i don't really know much about the white Sox. i like 
Tim Anderson. So I'm just going to pick uh, the White Sox plus one and a half. I'm not sure what, what the odds are, honestly, but the Blue Jays are not a team I follow that much. Honestly, the White, neither of these teams really, but I'm going to go with the White Sox uh, plus one and a half for one unit. All right. Yeah, Anderson's kind of been in the been in the news lately with that. Was that Donaldson that called him? Yeah. Jackie? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Donaldson's a bum. Yeah. <laughs> that's a fact. <laughs> well, hey, I tell you what, Gracie, I, like I said, I've inter- interacted with you a little bit on Twitter, and I know this is going to continue moving forward, but really, really happy you were able to come on the show and take some time out of your day to join us. Yeah, thank you, guys. I really – I had a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Best of luck to you guys with your with your plays. Thank you. You as well. <laughs> See if we can get you in the Elite Eight contest. Uh, DJ, you want to wrap up the show with the end of the show promotions? Yeah, so you can follow or find all of our daily lock articles and just articles in general, whether it's a parlay of the day or play of the day on thecodasportscappers.com. There's a ton of articles from soccer to WNBA to NHL to everything in between. And then you can follow us on Twitter at Feud Gambling, where we will post our plays and the guest picker results, as, long, as well as the podcast, which will come out again next uh, Wednesday, as it always does. And then we have a ton of podcasts going on at the network uh, that you can find on Apple Podcast or Apple, yeah, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We have the Mount Lockmore podcast with Pace, B Russ, uh, Pumba Cakes, and Soup. We have the High and Inside podcast with uh, myself, uh, Alex, Alex Long, and JT. Of the Gabacho Baracho podcast, the uh, this is a lie, but the fastest growing soccer podcast uh, in the world with Corey Adair, Don Thomas Miller, and Dan Angel, uh, and then we have the College Football Central show on YouTube coming back next season. Me, Kyle Pace, B Ross, Soup, and Dan will talk lines. That's always a blast, and there's another hour of entertainment for just all the lines. Uh, we'll go through probably what 10, 15 games. And then we have the Not Another College Football Podcast with the legend Potato Gobbler himself, the Throwing Bows Podcast with Josh with VFC, Von Fluchoke. Uh, that's also going to be featuring Faye JT every now and then. I know that he's going to be on there more often. And we have the Securing Bag Podcast with the Parlay King, DG Betts, uh, Cash and Tickets Podcast with Big Game Hunter, and then the Whopping Bets with Pace on YouTube. Is that about like WNBA or what is that? WNBA, a WNBA show. That's what I thought. Whooping bets. Whooping. Words you can pronounce however you want. Uh, So, yeah, then we have a ton of social media at handles, so I'll run through them here quick. We have at Coda Capaface, at BRS35, at Pumba Cakes, at Campbell D. Josh, at Dan Angel 11, at Coda Capper VFC, at DJ Corf 07, at Don Thomas Miller, at Potato Gobbler, at DG Best, at Big Game 1501249, at Jake underscore Hazen. 31 and then at beast underscore picks and then as always you can find me on twitter at dj low 44 22 and as always for x amount of podcasts kyle wrap it up as always you can find me on twitter at comb dog thank you for listening tune in next week we'll have another guest picker on let's win some bets let's cash some tickets peace deuces